from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios. It's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Actually, we're not live in the studio today. We're live from Mandalay Bay Resort for the Mountain West Conference Football Media Day. Uh, yeah, in a little bit, we're going to find out where UNLV's pick. Can't be last, right? No. They do it by divisions. No. So, like, they'd, they'd for sure be ahead of New Mexico, but New Mexico's in the other division. Oh. <laughs> so, can they be last in their division? I think they're going to be ahead of Hawaii. Oh, what a, yeah. Well, I, I hope they're ahead of Hawaii. If, if not, then there's something wrong with what's going on with that program. They might be ahead of Nevada. Because really? Okay. Nevada yeah. lost all its players yeah, to Colorado State. Yeah, that's and right. And so maybe they're ahead of – they might not. That would mean they're fourth in their division. Hey, that's, but that's, a, that's a jump. Come on. If, if they're last, I'll be very disappointed. We I'll find out in like 15 minutes if I'll they're picked shocked. last. I'll yeah, I will be too. But if they're last, I'll be disappointed because that means absolutely nobody believes in Marcus Arroyo if they're picked last no, behind Hawaii, who what, four months ago – their coach was in front of some Hawaii State Senate. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. You, you're ne- you never want to be in front of the Senate if you're a head football coach. There's really no reason to be ahead in front of the Senate. Now I think they'll be. I think they'll be fourth, which is a good improvement. Um, we'll see you, what at seven fifteen. Seven fifteen. Yeah, fifteen minutes. We find out where UNLV's picked. Got a long trek to get it. We'll have to run, do a little sprinting down there to get. Well, the, uh, I'm hoping they send an email. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Usually you get the, yeah. usually we get one of those. I mean, we're at the Mandalay Bay. We're kind of far from everything else. We but are ho- far. Hopefully, there's an email and they hit send at seven fifteen. Radio rose a, a bit, a bit, uh, a bit of a distance. Not uh, the priority. <laughs> <laughs> we were the low end of the priority, <laughs> as we should be. Here we go. The first bite. What will the Mountain West be in five years? I think it's going to be a conference. I do too. I think it's going to be a conference. Is it going to be better than it currently is? The same as it currently um, is? Does it lose members? I think more apt, like, because we've talked about this a ton in terms of value and what you bring a Power 5 conference. I think there's a chance they add members. So we had the report uh, yesterday from Pete Thamel about the Big 12 and the Pac-12 not being interested in merging. Like right, They apparently right. talked to each other about, hey, what if we just – become one and try to be our own little super conference and i guess they're not interested in that which to me i don't know that 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 sort of implied to me that they are both looking at each other saying only one of us can actually survive here yeah and i think it was the big 12 saying that um i thought it was big 12 and it comes down to these media rights deals and their media rights deals expire at different times and i do think the big 12 like we said, like we've said with San Diego State, with UNLV, with Boise State, with the Pac-12, like what do you add to us value-wise, TV-wise? And if you come, we got to split the pie up even more. And reading Thamel's story, I don't know if the Big 12 thought there was value in adding a lot of Pac-12. Well, in merging the two Pac-12 yeah. teams. We yeah. have heard that they met with the Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado, yeah. to get that part of the country. But merging all of them, I don't think they think there's enough value in that. I think the value for the Big 12, or and this could be looked at as the Pac-12 from their point of view too. The value is more or less getting rid of the other one. Like that, like you're not maybe you're not going to add like if you add Arizona State or whatever. I don't know how much that you go to ESPN. I don't know how much ESPN cares that you have Arizona State, but if you're able to basically kill off the Pac-12, right? Then you sort of establish yourself as hey, we're 
we're number four in the power conference pecking order, and we're we're going to survive because we've got because there's going to be four of them, right? And we've got fourteen, sixteen members, whatever right. it would be. I think that's where the value is for one of these conferences to poach the other one. But like, I don't know. I've seen people reporting that like eh, there's Pac-12 schools that really aren't interested in joining the Big Twelve. Like they'd rather just stay with their current what is it ten at ten the teams now. And they think that's a better option. Obviously, that changes if the Big Ten or SEC were to invite somebody. But it's, it's, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen between the Big 12 and the Pac-12. And that's what's going to have the biggest effect on the Mountain West, right? If, if everything stays as it is right now, the Mountain West is going to exist as the Mountain West is right now. But, like, what happens if two Pac-12 teams get picked? out to the Big 12. Does the rest of the Pac-10 or Pac-12 try to steal Mountain West schools and then that's where the, the I don't think the, the Pac-12 bad domino effect hurts the Mountain West. I just don't think the Pac-12 could lose anymore without trying to get to a couple Mountain West schools. Yeah, like I mean if they if, if they, they lost eight? right and the the talks were four, right? If right, they lost right. four and they go down to six, then they want to survive. Right. We've talked about it. Does that become hey the remaining teams uh steal a few Mountain West teams and try to push on as the Pac-12, or does it just fall apart completely? Because, I mean, the, the worst-case scenario for the Pac-12 is that Oregon and Washington get a Big Ten invite, and then Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado get a the Big, Big 12, 12 invite. invite. And then you're sitting there with the same, Oregon States and the Washington right, States with nowhere to go. Four Stan- teams Stanford left. and Cal. Right. And so that's like the worst-case scenario. And in that scenario, the Mountain West would probably absorb those teams and they'd be fine yeah and they'd be better than they are better than they are right now but i don't know i I just don't know what's going to happen with the pac-12 and the big 12 and that's going to didn't seem like at this point they wanted to merge right i still think and i read pete's story i still walked away from that i don't know what you think that it was more the big 12 saying no so the interesting part on the power conferences is we've seen the sec and the big 10 they have made moves they've added teams to strengthen themselves Right, even if you go as far back as when the the Big Ten got Rutgers, right, right it was right. to get the New York television market. Even when they got like Nebraska, well, that was like a, almost a decade ago or something. That was about getting one of the bigger brands in college football. The Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve have made changes or have not made changes. Theirs is all about survival. Theirs is not about you know getting better. They, the Big Ten went and got two LA schools, not because they needed to, but because no, because they got the LA market. We got the LA market, right? So. It's a completely different scenario, and I don't know what the Big 12 and Pac-12 look at and say, we need. what do we need to survive? Because that's how they're looking at it. They're, and the Big 12 source was pretty open with Pete in saying that they're going to continue to be very aggressive in expansion. Yeah, and I mean, they should be. If, there's, if they look out there and decide, hey, this school or these four schools, whatever, would actually help us, they yep. should absolutely do that because we've seen there's – there's no reason for anybody to be loyal to anybody else. I mean, oh, that's out the window, right? Like, there's, there's no, just no way. You think San Diego State gets a call during the middle of these meetings? <laughs> Brady, please leave immediately. Please he's leave the be- bench. He's going to leave the print interviews. Like, why is Brady Hoke going to the elevators? <laughs> I mean, there'd be well, it'd be the same with Marcus Arroyo. If UNLV gets a call, I mean, you're out immediately. Right, yeah. You're going to the Pac-12. So I don't, I don't exactly know what happens with the Pac-12 and the Big 12. But I'd be cur- I'm curious to see if anything does. Because I, I, I almost get the sense we might sort of be where we are. Like, we talked about it yesterday with, like, Notre Dame being the, the team. They're, the, that, they're kind of the big domino yet right. to fall. But, like, I, I feel like the Big 12 and the Pac-12 might end up staying as they are. Like, they might look out there and say, 
okay, we're not as good as the SEC or the Big Ten. We know that, but we're okay as we are. And We can remain a power conference. And adding whatever Mountain West schools isn't going to do a whole lot for us. I just – we've talked about it. I think the Pac-10, who's now apparently, you know, uh, pursuing their next media rights deal for whatever they're going to get after losing those two L.A. schools, I just don't know if they believe – we've said this, the San Diego States, the Boise's, the UNLV's add value TV-wise, and that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. I, it's the only thing that matters. Boise State, you could try to make the argument, well – they're, they've been good in the past, and people do watch them right? compared to other Mountain West schools. But it's it's hard to make that argument and say that they're better than power conference schools, which is if you're the Pac-12, what you want. You just be and they're in like the 100th and something market. Right. And then UNLV in Las Vegas, like it's okay. It's not the worst, but it's you're probably not adding a ton of value. And honestly, the Pac-12 is already in the Las Vegas market, even without adding UNLV. I could get, I could buy San Diego State. It kind, I think it kind of depends on, like, do television partners say, "Well, you don't have Southern California anymore." Yeah, you're the Pac-12, but you, if if they tell them like you don't have Southern California anymore, then maybe San Diego State has some value because they are the best remaining university in Southern California for athletics. But if the if ESPN says, "Yeah, you guys still have Southern California," then there's, and no, I think there's that, no need. And we said this yesterday, as and you know, people say, "Well, San Diego is a top twenty-five market. That's fine," but. When SC and UCLA was in the Pac-12, they had the San Diego market. They did. I right. mean, n- not for basketball, but for football, they had right. they had the San Diego market. So if they still believe people who are fans of those schools, now even though they're in the Big Ten, are still going to watch them, I don't know if they feel a need to say, hey, we really need San Diego State right. here to get that market. I, I don't think that's true. Yeah. So I'm curious. We need to we need uh, Craig Thompson to just be like, yep, we're coming after some Big 12 schools. Craig Thompson him. talks at eight. What if that's his opening? That'd be tomorrow? great. Oh. If his, his opening statement. He's just got a list of schools. We're coming for these schools. <laughs> be great. It'd be you awesome. Know, you know, great it would be if the Mountain West just rent, like was able to randomly poach a power conference yeah. school. It'd be hilarious. With without it being, hey, the Washington State has nowhere to go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to take Washington State because you know, yeah. hey, they have nowhere to go. It'd be hilarious if that happened. You'd be looking around saying, what the hell's going on? The Mountain West can be the the fourth power conference at that point if they can steal some programs. So. The, the one other thing I want to talk about, did you see John Canzano? He wrote yesterday, and here's what he wrote. The Big 12 programs that I think the Pac-12 and ESPN would be most interested in are Kansas, Baylor, TCU, and Houston. So this is him sort of talking about if the Pac-12 went after Big 12 schools. Kansas, oh, this is the Pac-10 going after them, Yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. say. Kansas, Baylor, TCU, and Houston. Obviously, TCU is in the Dallas area. That makes yep. sense from a television market standpoint. Houston is Houston. massive. Baylor's in Waco. Why would they want Baylor? Would be Because uh, they already have, they'd have the TV markets across Texas. Right. If you landed TCU in Houston, what is Waco yeah, I don't doing know what Waco you? does for you. That's I've been to Waco one. often. <laughs> <laughs> I have, and uh, I don't know. Great school, but you're right. Again, it all goes back to, and this is what people don't realize, nothing else matters but TV. We talked about it yesterday, you know, UNLV and you know how good a football team they have to be to get into a major conference, and people just kind of, they blink when I say this, but it, would it be better if UNLV was better at football? Of course. I mean, for a lot of reasons, it would be better if they got good at football. But that's not going to be the determining factor whether they get in a power conference. Right. It's just going to be TV, and what can you do for us, and do we yeah. want to split up the pie even more by taking you? I mean, Rutgers is in one of the best two conferences right. in college football right. because they're close to New York. Yeah. Not because Rutgers has some great football history. No, they're, exactly. they're close to New York. That's the situation there. The, and the one thing, John Canzano's story there, 
where he mentioned Kansas, he went on to say that he added Kansas because he thinks that ESPN would be interested in Kansas basketball. Okay. We haven't seen that in any in any realignment, in any in- expansion. We have not seen oh, a that move decision based upon based on basketball. Right. It has not happened. Everything has been about football or TV markets, right? right? When Nebraska joined the Big Ten, Nebraska doesn't have a TV market, but it's got a massive fan base right. and a good history in football. That's what mattered. Rutgers was all about the TV market. USC and UCLA. The Big Ten does not care about UCLA basketball. They wanted no. Los Angeles and yeah. those two football programs. Like, not there has not been a legitimate conference realignment that's had anything to do with basketball. So uh, I'm I'm curious if can I'd like to me Kansas is the one that gets left out. Like if if Armageddon happens to these the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve, Kansas is the one that gets left out because they don't have a television market. They don't have a football program. Like they're the ones that get left out. And the same thing if the ACC ever implodes for whatever reason same thing happens to duke duke doesn't bring you right. a te- like north carolina is a better program to add than duke absolutely like same thing happens to duke and you, there's a scenario at some point in the future where we have like kansas and duke basketball looking around being like well who the hell are we playing now i guess we're going to join the big east at this point like that's a potential scenario all right coming up next We'll have the preseason Are you Mountain sure? West. Well, we'll see. we'll see. We'll see. Predicted order of finish. I don't dislike name, image, and likeness. I'm all for the players. I want players to do well. Uh, our players did extremely well last year. They made over $3 million in name, image, and likeness. So I'm all for the players, you know, being able to do as well as they can and use their name, image, and likeness to create value for themselves. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. All right, here we go. Your predicted order of finish in the Mountain West, in the West Division. Fresno State predicted to win the West. San Diego State, number two. San Jose State, number three. Number four, not UNLV. Nevada comes in at number four. Number five, UNLV. Not picked to finish last. They were picked to head Hawaii. Uh, UNLV, uh, Tends to finish last. They have uh, finished last in the Mountain West West Division last season. Uh, four straight years, they have gone two and six or worse in Mountain West play. 2017, they went four and four. So, predicted ahead of the team that lost its coach because the state government was like investigating them. Good. Uh, not predicted ahead of Nevada, who lost their coach and the majority of their players. Uh, to Colorado State and other places as Jay Norvell left Nevada. I thought they should have been. Ahead of Nevada? I thought, I thought they should have been ahead of Nevada and Hawaii. I think the – I thought they should have been there. Okay, here's here's the – and these are uh, predictions, right? Yeah, if, I mean, if this is how it finishes, though, if UNLV does finish behind Nevada, what that will mean at the end of the year is that Nevada was able to completely start over their football program in one offseason and remain ahead of UNLV who is into the third year of the Marcus Arroyo era. And if that happens, that's that's a horrible thing for UNLV football because if, if you finish behind Nevada again, then what's the point of trying to build up for three or four years? If Nevada can turn everything over in one offseason and still be better than you when you're going into year three of a new era and a new coach, I mean, what, what's the point of even trying at that point? Like, you're just simply not good enough. I just don't. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to finish fourth. I do. I think I, they do too. I think they finish fourth. Like I, I, I genuinely do. But I'm, I'm curious to see what happens at the end of the year because they, this program, 
should be better. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about it. They've won two games in, in two years. Like, it's it should be better than that. Marcus Arroyo didn't take over the worst program in college football, right? And it wasn't a good one, but it wasn't the worst in college football. And they've made zero progress. Well, how many games did Tony win his last year? Five? Uh, four is last year. Okay, four is last yeah. year. And it it's just they've got to have – you have to finish ahead of UNO – or ahead of Nevada yeah. and Hawaii and this Hawaii. year. I think you, you, well, you Hawaii. have to. <laughs> you and I are coaching a team to finish ahead of Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm sorry. That is a complete disaster. That's turned into just a, whole, just a terrible disaster out there. So my question for this season, do you think there's any – Ultimatum, any specific win number Marcus Arroyo has to hit to keep his job? Well, I don't think you can go one or two wins again. I think he has to improve. I don't know if it's uh, ultimatum that they have to get to a bowl, but if you double your wins and get four or five, then I think you you know he's fine. He goes on to a fourth year, and you know they continue to try to build it. Now, you win one or two with a new AD who played college football, who knows about college football, then you – you know, put yourself in some peril, I think, if you're winning one or two in your third year. And that's the curious part, and, and we've seen a lot of uh, athletic director turnover at UNLV, so we've had this conversation before, but we don't know a lot about how Eric Harper views the football None. program, how he views None. Marcus Arroyo, and how he views uh, basically wanting to put his mark on the, the program. Like, right. we saw with Desiree Francois, she changed the football coach and the basketball coach. Like, it was very much she was making her mark on UNLV athletics by hiring coaches in the two Major biggest sports. sports. And the Menzies firing, you can say, was too early. Most people, I think, expected him to at least get a fourth year. But Desiree Francois said, nope, I'm going to make the change and, and hiring my guy to do it. And... Eric, if Eric Harper has that same sense, he might watch Arroyo win three or four games and say, eh, it's just not happening, and make the change. Or he might be more patient. He might say, yeah, this guy's going to work. Like, I kind of like this guy. And, hey, he won three games, but I think they're still going in the right direction. That's that's the part of the equation we don't – the person that's actually making the decision. We don't know much about. Right. And that's it makes it hard to judge this. But I, I do agree with you. If they win one or two games this year, or, God forbid, zero, if they win two or less – I think he's probably gone at that point. Like at that point, you're you're looking around saying, okay, you've you've been here for three seasons and you've won as many games in four years as Tony Sanchez did in his last year. Like that would be enough to I think any athletic director would say, I don't. We're going to make a change. I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. I, think I, gonna, I, think I assume. Winning, I yes. think they're winning games. Right. I think they're getting to four probably this season. I think that's a legitimate um, expectation for how many wins they have. But it is like. If you look at Marcus Arroyo's contract situation, his buyout after this season would be $2.36 million. And UNLV could get completely out of that if he took another job. So conceivably, if they were to fire him and then he jumps on and, hey, he's the quarterback's coach at whatever, Arizona State or some school like that, they, they stop having to pay his buyout. So that buyout goes from $2.36 million to zero. And that's an easy decision if you're an AD and you expect, and he's like, Arroyo's young, so conceivably he's going to find another job. He's going to take, he's not going to retire. So that's, it's an interesting situation. And I'm curious to see because UNLV, it's the margin for error to get to four wins is, is very, very small. Like it's not, it's not hard to envision them winning two games. It's not hard for the, to, to look at this program and see them. Oh yeah, of course they're, they're not significantly better than the teams they're going to play this year for them to easily win four it could very easily. They could play well in games. They did last year. They played well they in games five. And, and still yeah. lost. We went over the schedule before, and what yeah. did we have? Uh, 
We had a high mark of did like Jared, five Jared, wins. did you have him winning six last year? Or uh, when we did this a couple months ago? I think he did. That does sound like something I would do. Yeah, that does. or zero. <laughs> I think it was six. <laughs> yeah, let's go sure with six. six. Let's go with six. <laughs> it was six. It was six in a bowl. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly... And that's not... Again, we it could go it could go either way of the spectrum. If you yeah. said they win six and go to bowl, like neither of us are falling off our chairs. Right. It's gonna what it's gonna come down to. They're probably gonna have two or three games that are complete blowouts. Two or three games that they win by fourteen points, right? And then the rest of the schedule is probably gonna be a bunch of games decided by seven to ten points. They're gonna have to win close. And games. if if they go, you know, four and two in games decided by seven points or less. They're probably going to a bowl game. Yeah, exactly. If they go two and four, we might be having a legitimate conversation about Marcus Arroyo's job security. And if they go, you know, three and three or something like that, then, hey, they won four or five games. He's coming back. They're on the upward swing, but it still wasn't a good season because it, it, that's, that's the crazy thing about UNLV. It's all about a bowl game. It's like one of the easiest – maybe Alabama winning the championship and UNLV getting to a bowl game. It's one of the easiest programs to judge what success is. Yeah. Because if, if they go to a bowl game – Marcus oh, Arroyo is getting huge an extension yeah, and a, a raise, and it's like, oh, incredible. Because of what they've been of yeah. for forever, it if, seems like. If they win four or five, it's not really a failed season, but it's still not a good season. Right. And if they win three or less, you're looking around saying, oh, boy, this is not, not looking good out there. So they got to be better than Nevada and Hawaii this year, though. I think that's – like that, that. at the end of the day, I think that's the decision-making. I didn't is, fill out a poll, but I would have put them ahead of Nevada and Hawaii. Yeah, I think that's – at, at the end of the season – if they if they're behind those two programs or even one of those programs, I think we're we're having a, a genuine conversation about can Marcus Arroyo actually do this right? Because those two shouldn't be very good this year. And if you can't build to be better than the program investigated by its own state senate or whatever it was, you've got some problems yourself. Players didn't seem to like that head coach. <laughs> we're gonna bring back if if UNLV finishes behind Hawaii, we need to bring back the Board of Regents to investigate UNLV football. <laughs> No, because I've been to those border regents meetings. <laughs> you're Who going that? back. That was with you're Chris Beard. Oh, you're going back. Oh. Chris Beard and his broken Can, hand. Do you remember those? Oh, meetings? those are great. Oh, those are phenomenal. What a disaster. You're going back next year, Ed. <laughs> to the to yep. the border regents meetings. And then we're gonna have another SNTIC meeting for the A's. You're going back. <laughs> I'll be to those I'll two. be falling asleep there too. All right, coming up next, Mike Gravala joins the show. When when we're really going in training camp, I'm probably eating close to six thousand calories. Wow. Um, you know it. Everything is everything for me is structured. You know, I have a great team around me at Exos down in Arizona. I've been there since 2004. My combine training, uh, they made they made things really easy for me. They 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 print out a blueprint of what I ate, uh, schedule of supplements, schedule of eating, and uh, I was able to take that and you know obviously have a long run with it. But uh, now I'm, now it's time to slim down. I haven't been in the weight room for about three weeks. I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm used to being in there every day, but. You know, for me, slimming down, uh, I've always been, you know, over 300 pounds since I'm 15 years old. So I'm trying to get down to that 300-pound mark, uh, you know, start doing some uh, some swimsuit abs. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. That was Richie Incognito, who announced his retirement not too long ago. Mike, have you ever eaten 6,000 calories? I guess I should introduce you. You're Mike Gramala, Las Vegas Sun. Hello. Have you ever eaten 6,000 calories in a day? Uh, how many calories are in a Cheez-It? I just looked that up. So um, <laughs> a box of Cheez-Its, uh, 100, 150 calories per serving size, and there are four servings per container, so 600. 600. Have you eaten 10 Cheez-Its boxes in one day? I don't know. I've never set out to do that. 
I may have done it without realizing. It's never I've been never a, goal. a goal. Yeah, I've never put it up on like the tally board and like crossed <laughs> off ten boxes throughout the day. If you do it one day, you'll have reached Richie Incognito's normal calorie limit Man. for a day. I admire him. That's a, do that's, you? That sounds like a good day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I eat a lot, I faint. So I don't think six thousand calories would be good for me. It would not be a good thing. Uh, Mike Kamala from the Las Vegas Sun here. UNLV picked to finish fifth in the West Division uh, before this football season gets kicked off. They are ahead of Hawaii, but they are still behind Nevada, who had to replace their head coach, replaced a big chunk of their roster. Are you going to be – or not, maybe not you, but is it going to be a disappointing season if they finish fifth in the West Division this year? Yeah, yeah. Um, Hawaii is sort of a gimme. You've got to finish ahead of them. Like, their program was almost disbanded in the off season. Like, they're under investigation, and it's a, a mess. <laughs> I don't know if they're almost disbanded, but close you, enough. You, so, you, like, you can't, <laughs> you can't finish behind them. Uh, and then for Nevada, they lost their coach, lost a lot of players. Uh, that's your rival. They have beaten you pretty handily the last two years. Like, that's a team that you should probably finish ahead of if you're in your third season under a new coach in a rebuilding process. Like, you should be far enough along that you should be able to beat a, a team that's where you were three years ago in the rebuilding process. So, yeah, those are two teams that they should probably finish ahead of. If they don't, you're going to be looking around at the end of the year saying, like, what went wrong? What games did we lose where we should have won? How did we lose those games? How did we beat ourselves? Uh, what's gone wrong with our recruiting? What, like, what do we have to fix? And like, what's gone horribly wrong to to put us behind these teams? What is your best case scenario for them? I could see them winning, like maybe five games, and maybe you go into Man. that last game. Okay, five. And you've going got into a chance, like, and you're you're giving yourself a chance. Like, that's the best case scenario. Like, I think if you go through last year's schedule, like game by game, they won two. They were close in a couple others that, you know, you can say you were really close to winning them. That maybe gets you to four. And then if you pick up another. So it's like if you squint hard enough, you could see them maybe winning five games <laughs> and like getting to the precipice of a bowl game, a bowl game and in some kind of relevancy. So I'd say that's probably like your, your best case scenario. They play Idaho State, who they should beat, and they host North Texas, who is not a gimme, but it's at home. So they'll be favored. They do play New Mexico, who's also expected to be bad, and Hawaii and Nevada, right? That's potentially five wins. Now, they're not necessarily going to win all those games just because they're going to be favored in them, but that's potentially five there. Can they upset anybody else? Like, can they, can they upset Fresno State, San Diego State, Air Force, San Jose State, somebody like that? Maybe. It's the, if, but we, we both know, like, how many games will UNLV have to be favored in before you're comfortable saying they'll win five right, of exactly. them? Exactly. Like if they're favored in five, they'll win they'll three. three. Yeah. yeah. So um, I keep coming back to coach and quarterback. Like, they have big questions at coach, big questions at quarterback. If you, tell, if you told me that Harrison Bailey's going to win the job and start every game and he's going to be good, then I'd say, like, hey, yeah, you can win four of those five games and steal another one somewhere. But there's too many question marks. I don't know if they're going to win close games. The Harrison Bailey thing is the interesting part to me. Like, it, UNLV hasn't had a good quarterback since I've lived in Las Vegas, right? It's, I mean, Armani Rodgers has been the best one, and he wasn't much of a thrower. Like, to me, there's, there's such a high expectation on Harrison Bailey that if he's actually good, that probably changes the course of, of UNLV football for the next two to three seasons. Like, if, if Harrison Bailey is actually, oh, yeah, he, this is why he was at Tennessee, because he's this good. 
UNLV football's probably pretty good this season. It might be pretty good for a couple more. We should also mention that he's currently number three on the depth well, chart coming out well. of spring. <laughs> and we're talking about him of possibly changing the course he's, of UNLV football history. No, no, we, we talked about this. He's got to go into the portal like Doug Brumfield did and then come back a week later and he'll get that bump up to number yeah. one. So, yeah, but I think most people expect him to be the starter at some point during the season, um, for, you know, maybe even week one um, when all is said and done in training camp. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's that big. Like you said, they've never really had a good quarterback as, as long as I can been covering the team. I've been here a little bit longer than you. They've never had a good quarterback. And just anecdotally watching these games, like I feel like that's the biggest factor in winning close games. Like you lose to San Jose State by seven with – Cameron Friel throwing two interceptions and being a true freshman and running around making, you know, freshman mistakes. You figure if you have a good quarterback in there that you can trust and plays mistake-free, then you can maybe win that game. And there's a bunch of games that always end up like that. When you play 12, there's always games that come down to the last couple drives. And if Harrison Bailey is the guy and he can win some of those games, like that's going to be the biggest difference maker between potentially five wins and like one win. I don't think, I, I think they made him three to make a point to him. I think he's the guy. I, I just I don't think that. they wanted to come out because who cares who comes out of spring on the depth chart? You know what I mean? Like who that doesn't mean anything. I think that I think they put him three for a reason, and I think he's going to be the guy. I think it fosters more competition with the other two At guys. At least in well. their minds. Yeah, if Harris, if you bring in Harrison Bailey and make him number one immediately, those other two guys, what are they competing for? Right. If Harrison Bailey is the guy, like the door is kind of slammed on them. But if they come out of spring and they're one and they're two or the co-starters, however they're listed, you think, hey, we really have a chance to win this. We're going to really bust it through the summer. We're going to bust it in training camp. Like it just kind of leaves the door open for competition. Yeah. So I get why he did it. Um, but I think most people do expect Bailey to to get a chance. You just got to give him what uh, Mark Anderson kept this stat. I think it's since 1999 they haven't had a quarterback start every game of a season. 99? Yeah, oh, it's, it's something ridiculous. Like, they have not had the same starting quarterback for every game of a season, and it's, it's I want to say almost it's 99. almost impossible. I know Mark Anderson used to keep it, but it's, it's like it's been That's almost two impossible. decades plus that they have not had the same guy start every game at quarterback. And it hasn't always been because of injuries. It has not, no. It has often not been because of injuries. It has often been because, oh, that guy's just not very good. So if they, if they can just get Harrison Bailey to start all 12 games this That's season. That's a success. Be good. Um, yeah. So how legitimate is Marcus Arroyo getting fired at the end of the season? Like if they win three games, how legitimate is that? Obviously if they go zero or one, it's very legitimate. But like a three-win team, and we were talking about this, the problem with trying to figure this out is we don't know much about Eric Harper, the new AD. But like how legitimate do you think it would be if they win three games that – we're talking about a coaching search in December. I think it's it would be completely legitimate because if you look around the, the country, I feel like it, three seasons, five wins, not many guys are keeping their jobs. Um, it's, like you said, the biggest factor is Eric Harper. Um, you can draw a parallel to Marvin Menzies when he was here. Same thing. New athletic director comes in. She inherits him. Uh, she takes a look at the program. And he was doing, like, okay, um, maybe trending upward slightly. Um had some pieces in place for the next year, but she surveyed the scene said for a year and said, you know, I want to get my own person in here, and Marvin Menzies was gone. Um, Eric Harper comes in. He's going to look at Marcus Arroyo this year. Maybe they trend upwards a little. Maybe they win four games and people are excited. Maybe that's not enough for Eric Harper. And he says, like, I want to bring my own guy in here. Like, if we're – the other factor is, like, the landscape of college football, like, is now the time to make a, a big change like that. 
I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know how Eric Harper is viewing the situation. But, yeah, it's hard to argue f- in favor of a coach who wins in this scenario five games in, in three years. That's what argument could you make for him. So, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a little pressure on Marcus Arroyo to not finish behind Hawaii, not finish behind Nevada, win a game that you're not supposed to win that maybe fires up the fan base <laughs> a little bit. Like, maybe beat San Diego State. Like, that's a team that's going to give you a chance. They're only going to score 20 points. Like, maybe go in there and steal a game that can excite people for next year and sort of carry you over. So, yeah, there's, on pre- there's some pressure on Marcus Arroyo to perform for sure. I remember that she wanted to fire Tony the year before she fired him. Yeah. She yeah. wanted to come in and make a change, like, far sooner than she did and had to be talked into it by some influential people in town to not do it. So, is Eric Har- she was also coming from completely outside the program, and I think that frees you up maybe a little bit to do, to, to be that sort of right. – uh, Dispassionate right. when you're making a move. Eric Harper's been here for a while. Like he's has experience, like working with Marcus Arroyo. So maybe that, that changes things a, a little bit. Maybe he's got an idea of the the plan and um, is on board with it. But yeah, it's 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 a results based business. Like if you win five games in three years, six games in three years, like there's definitely going to be speculation about the job. All right. Before we let you go, you talked to Kevin Kruger. How concerning should it be that Vic E. Walker still has a shoulder injury and Elijah Harkless, who might be their best player this year, is also not going to play in their preseason exhibition in Canada? Walker had shoulder surgery. Like we all know, he was battling a shoulder throughout the season. He was in and out of the lineup. He finally had surgery after the season. The you know he's got to rehab from that. It's going to be a few months. Um, he should be back for the start of the season, but he's a guy like I wouldn't expect him to play 32 games next year, I don't think. Um, Harkless is the, the bigger one uh, because he's got a, a knee uh, injury that he's trying to rehab, and he's going to miss that exhibition uh, games next month. Kruger said he'll be ready for the start of the season. Um, so if you're unable to participate in exhibitions next month, he's already ruled out for that, that gives you – you know, the rest of August and, you know, September and then practice starts in October. So you've got two months if you're out and then you've got two months before, you know, practice starts, you're starting to get down to it. So I'd be a little bit concerned. I'd say probably like a three or a four on the scale of one to ten for Harkless. Oh, that's good. I like when you give me the, the numbers on the scale yeah. there. That's good. So, like, I don't know what I don't know what what uh, would be analogous to like a one or a ten. Like what would be the most concerning <laughs> thing? To, like ten would be like, hey, the Mendenhall Center is on fire. We've got to call the <laughs> we've got to call like the fire department and start evacuating people. That would be a ten. This is somewhere around like a three. All right, he's Mike Kavala from the Las Vegas Sun. Mike, thank you so thank much, you, buddy. Thanks. He has a son named Jacob who came up the other day really upset from his school in Astoria. He just came over. He's like, are you telling me that Aaron Judge may not be a Yankee after this year? What do you have to tell to Jacob right there and tell all your fans that want you to remain in a Yankee uniform? (laughs) I wasn't going to put you on the spot. I mean, we're on live TV. (laughs) Yeah, no, Jacob, buddy. um, You know, we got a lot of great Yankees on this team. You know, there are a lot of great Yankees be here for a long time you know so don't don't get hey don't be upset don't be upset hopefully you'll be a judge fan for life you're listening to the press box summer edition sounds like a guy going to the dodgers the dodgers (laughs) he sounded like a guy going somewhere oh aaron judge what a 
I don't know if I'm, I, I think that's a good or a terrible question to ask Aaron Judge live on TV before the All-Star game. Hey, I got a kid that's crying because you might not be a Yankee anymore. What do you have to say to him? What Probably do you have to say to my son? Right. Yeah, probably better than how do you feel? <laughs> I guess it is. Uh, how do you feel? I guess it's better than how we do saw, you feel. We had a lot of those. How do you feel? So the All-Star game last night, the American League won again. Uh, they have won nine straight, by the way. The fun stat continues. The team the Astros have been on have won 12 straight. So uh, be an Astro. You'll never lose an All-Star game again. But the best part, losing pitcher, L.A. Dodger, oh, Tony Gonsolin. Oh, man. Winning pitcher, Framber Valdez, Houston Astro. I mean, I tell you, Gonsolin, 11-0. What was that about? <laughs> he has. He doesn't have a loss in the regular season. No, he's 11-0. And he's his first loss yes. is in the All-Star yes, game. exactly. <laughs> Gives a back-to-back jacks. It was great. Oh, uh, I I, thir- I I thoroughly I happy, enjoyed that. I was happy. I was happy. Kershaw got through the first. Like I, I thought. Oh, or were man. you concerned? Yeah, first pitch Otani hit. I'm like, you know, base hit, and I'm like, oh, here comes Judge. But then I don't know what Otani was doing when he got picked off. Did he fall asleep? Like, yeah, he was kind of like wandering off yeah. the base. And then he, and then when he got picked off, he knew he got picked off. He just put his head on the dirt and like looked at, looked out the right field with his head on the dirt. Um, but then he struck out Judge. Uh, I think I think he ended with two strikeouts. So. Uh, or no, maybe when it was a ground ball to Trey Turner. But anyway, I was glad that Kershaw got out the first. Do we need baseball players mic'd up yes. in regular season games? Didn't you think that was cool? So I, I like the pitcher the most. Yeah. So I think, for whatever reason, football seems to mic up players for like every game. There's somebody that's wearing a mic. But it, the difference here is like the announcers are talking to these players. We don't need that. Like we don't need the announcer talking to. Them. But I would love to see after games or even during games. Like, hey, we mic'd up, you know, Clayton Kershaw during his start today, and here's what he said after a strikeout or after he gave up a home run or whatever. Like, yeah, that would be a lot of – that would be content. I I guess the main thing is, like, do they have to wear too much equipment or something? Like, in football, you can hide it in the shoulder pads. Is it, like, too – the pitcher last night looked like he had something in his ear. Right, but that's just to hear the announcers. Um, I don't know. I thought it was – now, they wouldn't do this during the regular season. Obviously, it's too important, but I thought it was cool that – Smoltz, who's a Hall of Famer, was telling was him what to pitch. To yeah. Alex like Manoa. I thought that was kind of cool that he was like he was the one calling pitches and 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 telling him what to throw. Yeah, that was fun. Um, the outfielders, uh, Judge lost his mic, uh, so he didn't get to talk very much. Stanton was okay. Um, I thought Rodriguez was okay. I, I don't know. I thought it was cool. It was something different. Yeah. I, I had no problem with it. Uh, two things. One, a poor scouting report by Fox because they gave Stanton and Judge mics in the inning in which Framber Valdez pitched, and Framber Valdez has the highest ground ball rate in baseball. Like, if they wanted, hey, outfielder on the mic while he's like making when, a play. Like when Rodriguez made a play. Right. Don't do it when the guy who only gives up ground yeah. balls is out there. Um, also, Liam Hendricks, the White Sox closer who pitched the, in the eighth, eighth inning last inning, night. Eighth inning. He's phenomenal. He's unbelievable, and he needs to be mic'd up at all times for everything, not just during games, but just 24-7. Uh, he got asked before the All-Star game at their like media availability, he got asked, what's the best trash talk a fan has ever said to you? And Liam Hendricks is Australian, and he said that the, the best he's ever gotten was somebody yelled at him, are you afraid to pitch against the Rays because of what they did to Steve Irwin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> are you serious? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's that's good trash talk. That's good like, trash talk. Of every oh sporting event I've been to, I don't feel like I've ever heard anything that no, creative. No, 
Like some sometimes like college yeah. basketball student sections will have some creative stuff, but like right. professional sporting events, it's usually just guys yelling "you suck" or whatever. Right, right. That like ref, you suck. Right, but that is like top tier creativity of. <laughs> Except for Steve Irwin's family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By the way, have you have you seen Steve Irwin's son before? His son? No, I've seen his daughter. Oh, his son is like. Steve Irwin 2.0. Like, he does he all the same wildlife stuff. Like, he's on TikTok all the looks time, like by him. the way. Looks similar to him, yeah. But he does, like, all the, like, loves animals, is going to pick up whatever random thing he found in Australia <laughs> and show it to you. And you're like, dude, that, I wouldn't pick that up. But he's Your just family like, yeah. is going to learn the same lesson twice. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he's just picking things up like, oh, look at this guy. He's great. He's great. But, yeah. I've seen the daughter. I think she's also into it. Uh yeah, that's good trash talk, other than for the family and, and what happened to him. Um, but that's that's creative, man. It is. That's really creative. It is. I wouldn't have even. It was a long sentence, but when you got right. to the end, I'm like, okay. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's good. Absolutely. So, But Liam Hendricks should be mic'd up 24-7. That guy is fun all of the time. All of the time he is fun. So I want Liam Hendricks mic'd up. I just whatever. Just let us hear him live while he pitches. One of the Peacock games, they took. They didn't do announcers. So I remember that they just did the they, they just, just did, did the natural just, they sound just natural sound of the game. Give did us you like it. Give us Liam Hendricks just mic'd up during the entire game, even when did he's in the bullpen. Did you watch any of that? I, I didn't watched, actually watch it. I no. saw a replay of it, or I saw, they showed like a half inning to see what it was like because I don't get Peacock. I don't think I do. I might. I pay enough. I should. <laughs> but I, I, I actually enjoyed it. I, I would not it. because I rely on the announcers to tell me when something's happening because I often have my head down while watching baseball. <laughs>